Music from D.C. and Baltimore You'll find it all here on Corridor Waltzes or cut time or straight for four You'll find it all here on Corridor This is uh, Kelsey, this is Quartercast I'm here with Invincible Summer How are you guys doing? Good. Great! Great. Um, I mean, it'll be easy to tell your voices apart But just for the sake of it Can you say your name and what you play Just so people understand uh, I'm Sherry. I do uh, a lot of the drum all programming, of the all the things, <laughs> all, everything electronic, right? <laughs> yeah, um, drum programming, keyboards, Omnicord, um, weird uh, audio clip things. If you hear and, a noise and you're like, "What is that?" That's probably Sherry. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Anything that's not a guitar or a bass guitar. And I am Matthew, and I play guitar, and I played viola at one point too. Okay. And Bill is not here. Bill is the bass player and narrator for the band. Yeah, shout out to Bill. Sorry, we, we missed you. We'll have to get you back on at some point. Um, he's in Greece. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, then never mind. He's fine. He's enjoying himself in Greece. I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so you guys have a new record out. I want to dive right into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is uh, Earliest Tactile Adventures. First question. That's a pretty cool name. Where did that come from? It's from one of the lyrics to one of the songs. Um, it just seemed like it would be a good phrase to use as a title. So, which track is that? The Viscosity. Viscosity. Okay. In the yeah. second half. Yeah, in the second. The experimental half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I always like to play a song to let people know what you sound like. Um, would Viscosity be a good one to start with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll take a listen to Viscosity and then we'll talk about it. It does not 
So that was Viscosity, and uh, do you guys want to tell me a little bit about writing it? Well, so we did not write any of the lyrics on the entire album, including that one. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we use a lot of, like, found text. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That one specifically uh, is something from a Jean-Paul Sartre text that Bill found. It was like, these would be good lyrics, so we took it, and then we tried to play music that sounded thick and viscous to sort yeah. of reflect the um, and then he the put mood. the castrol gtx commercial in there for some reason right yeah and then but from there it's, there's like yeah freeform <laughs> stuff kind of goes in after um, that that's a pretty new one um yeah yeah that's one of the ones that we wrote i think just maybe like a month or two before recording it so yeah some of the newer stuff is a little bit more complex than the uh older stuff yeah yeah sure was playing two keyboards at the same time oh yeah wow I'll have to ask you about that in a second. I did want to ask because the lyrics to Viscosity are kind of interesting. They 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 come out so arty with like the um that's the one with like the the jar of honey and everything. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So is that the part from the um drum drum pulse art? The whole uh, thing is, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's it's like chopped up, sliced and diced, and then there's also Bill just sort of uh, ad libbing. I think improving with the text in front of him. Um, and then I think over time it takes shape and we sort of forget what was from the original source and what was added later. But that was the original. Yeah, but I think the, the infant putting its hands into a jar of honey is definitely in the source. Yeah, text. that was like, that stuck with me. It was really like evocative, that image. So, oh, that's interesting. I'll have yeah. to see if I can go back to the, the text. But <laughs> So playing two keyboards, where yeah. um, you hadn't done that before? No, not usually. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm usually, um, I'm a workman, uh, like keyboard player. Uh, <laughs> I try to stick to five notes at all times. Uh, so it was uh, definitely, uh, yeah, it was cause mostly because I just wanted the extra texture because it needed it. Yeah, I think it started, you, it started with the piano. Um, and I think we were trying to trying to make it sound like John Cale. Yeah, we were trying to make it sound like John Cale. <laughs> and then and then the piano was good, but it felt like the texture wasn't thick enough, um, which is why there's you know it's yeah. one of the only songs that we I, I overdubbed an extra guitar part on it just because we you know it's it's like sticking your hands in honey and yeah, it's all goopy yeah, yeah. and thick and everything. We were trying to go for that. Yeah. So then she added the organ part, the simpler part on on top of the keyboard. Yeah, well, I, I do it live now too. Mm-hmm. Now that I've gotten better at it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it tricky live with, with yeah, having oh, to manage yeah. too? Because yeah. I have to, I'm not really good with my left hand. <laughs> so um, I, I, I switch this uh, my left hand and my right hand just because for the complicated parts oh, wow. I have to. <laughs> so you mean like you're crossing over? Yeah, means? I'm crossing oh, over. Wow. Yeah, it's like. Switching, yeah, yeah. I just realized I'm making a gesture that no one can see. (laughs) So, this is not the televised version of the podcast. We don't have a uh, we don't have like a video cast yet. I'll go ahead and pick my nose later, too. (laughs) Yeah, no one will know unless unless you announce it. (laughs) Announce it, they'll know. Now they know. Sorry, I am now scratching my forehead. (laughs) 
I also wanted to talk to you about um, making the the beats. Was having a drummer ever part of the plan, or did you guys want? We used to have a drummer. Um, Well, the band originally uh, was me, Bill, and a guy named Mike. uh, Mike Masatsuga. Yeah. Um, and they were originally members of uh, Baltimore's only fall cover band, The Fail, made entirely of teachers. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, that works on so many levels. Fail, I, the fail teachers, yes. and The Fall, Fail. Yeah. Beautiful. It was, it was, they were a wonderful cover band. So Bill and Mike were the rhythm section of that yeah. band. And then Bill recruited me to be part of his band. After the fail failed. After the fail failed. And then uh, Matt joined the band later. Mostly because our band with uh, AJ broke up. And then we weren't in a band anymore. So then you joined my band. I was just kind of sitting in. Mm -hmm. At some point. Yeah. But then Mike left um, to go to California. On a sabbatical from Towson. Mm-hmm. This is a complicated story, which yes. is yeah. <laughs> and um, so we didn't no longer had a drummer, and I was like, oh, "That's fine. I'll just program a couple beats. We can still have practice. It's fine." And then it stuck around, and we like it better. Yeah, it was actually yeah. interesting the way some of the early songs evolved. There's, I think, there are two songs on that album that date back to. Before I even joined the band, um, mm-hmm. one of which is Funfetti, the first track. When when they started it with Mike on drums, it had like five different parts and like mm-hmm. it would change tempo all the time. And we tried to do that live and like we'd have to stop and we're like, OK, yeah. we screwed it up. And like and over time, it sort of became streamlined and simplified. And then we're like, yeah, this is probably better if we just have like one beat that just goes throughout. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, because like there was a lot of effort kind of like filling in for things that Mike could do. Um, and that kind of laid the yeah. groundwork for the new kind of sound. Yeah, and it kind of made it tighter, and it kind of went along with a, a lot of like my personal influences, yeah. like stuff like um, Young Marble Giants, and um, mm-hmm. obviously like Cabaret Voltaire and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I think it makes it more unusual. This, this yeah. the band overall, really. Yeah. Now, it's interesting to hear you talk about influences. I wanted to ask you about that because um, I haven't spent a lot of time listening to too much electronic music. So because of the vocals, what I hear is like Joy Division, maybe Depeche yeah. Mode, which I'm sure is like not necessarily where you all are coming from. So can you talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned some bands, but where you're coming from and how that uh, meshes together with the other members' influences? Yeah. Well, Bill comes from, of course, a, a hardcore place. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bill is like uh, 90s hardcore and also like radio-friendly 70s mainstream pop. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. very little else. Although, yeah. yeah, he likes a lot of stuff. So he's, yeah. But he's, he's coming from, the, I think that's where his fuzzy bass and his like Although he refuses to listen to the Talking Heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another issue. <laughs> What's his beef with the Talking Heads? Oh, he was... Um, as I recall, he said he didn't want to listen to them because he didn't want to find out that he'd gone down the wrong road as a teenager during his formative years, and it was going to make him question everything he thought he knew about his taste. So he was just <laughs> avoiding the whole band all wow. this time, <laughs> as one does. Which is hilarious, because he's very David Byrne, uh-huh. um, at least with his vocal style. So yes. it's it's yeah. it's actually really funny to... No, when, another, when, I, another, when I learned that, I was like, but wait, but you're so David Byrne. No, how, another how good Bill not... story since he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, he's um, under the bus he, since his, he's not here. His uh, sort of deadpan um, speak singing style came from the fact that he doesn't want to sing because he thinks he sounds like Jello Biafra. <laughs> <laughs> 
so he tries to avoid singing. I don't know. I, I think that could work well. <laughs> right? I know. Like, not necessarily a bad thing, but. Oh, man. So he's coming from that world, from yeah. like mostly like 90s hardcore, post-hardcore stuff. And I'm coming from like post-punk and, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of like that early stuff, but also a little bit of funk, a little bit of conk and that sort of thing. Delta 5, that uh, Gang of Four type uh-huh. dealy au pairs. We both like Eno and like yeah, and early, Eno. like new wave. Like always love my Eno. I feel like post punk <laughs> means whatever you want it to mean, so post punk isn't really the word. But like the stuff that used to be known as post punk before it was a genre tag, like like you said, Gang yeah, Four the, the, and the, the, Public Image and yeah, uh, more experimental things that came out of punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely hear yeah. that for sure. Yeah, and um, so has the sound change much between the demos you had and and the new album that came out like yeah i think it has i think it's become tighter i think it's become a little bit more complex um i think because we don't have a drummer we've had to become become complex in different ways than because before we were kind of um you know where the the drummer makes the texture and Mm so we now we are the instrumentation has to make the texture yeah, I think we're getting used to the possibilities of the kind of limited palette that we've set for ourselves. Yeah. And we're trying to find ways to make, you know, we've agreed we're only going to do exactly these three things. There's going to be drum machine, organ, bass, and not much in the way of melody, really. So within that, like, how can we do something that doesn't sound like what we've already done? Um, I feel like when I listen back to the album, it's cool how every song sounds slightly different, even yeah. though every, the basic components are exactly the mm-hmm. same. So I think we're getting used to that, and we're kind of finding like more ways to be creative within that limited palette. It's certainly a cohesive unit, the album, but yeah, each, each song has a little something different going on, and so that was by design? Not really. No, it, it, just, it just happened that way. That was the songs that we had that we liked that we wanted yeah. to record. Because just basically, like when we're writing songs, I'll just basic, I'll come up with a drum beat, and then we kind of jam over it, and mm-hmm. then the little parts of the jam that is uh, a good groove that we can build off of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll listen what, back and we'll be like, yeah. oh yeah, that was good. That thing that we did for like thirty seconds, five minutes in, let's isolate that and do something. Yeah, with do it. something like that. Or what's Perubu's quote? If you have three things, the song it's needs a song. Three things. Um, <laughs> So, so long as we have three things, then we have a song. We also all like Perubu. Yeah, we, we love Perubu. Yeah. I don't know if I hear that so much, but I get the concept. The yeah, question of influence is a, is a weird one, because if I think, like, what are things that I grew up listening to that shaped my taste... It's stuff like the Velvet Underground or Perubu yeah. or the, you know, but I don't think we really sound like that. Yeah, so. But I, I guess it comes across in an The Joy de Vivre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it comes across in the fact that I like noise, right? And I like things that are slightly awkward where there's this, always this danger is going to collapse at any moment, but somehow it never quite does. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. it's got this kind of like amateurishness, but it's not, it's not that we don't know what we're doing. It's just like we're trying to do things that we haven't done before. So there's always a little bit of risk that mm-hmm. might go wrong yeah and it often does like we have a bunch of songs that we just only play once and we're like well that didn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's um, done I, I wanted to ask about making the beats so mm-hmm. you make those first and mm-hmm. and then kind of jam to them do you uh do you go back and adjust the the beats ever is that kind of not really no, no, no not really if it, if it works then it works mm-hmm. um like uh well, sometimes like bill or i will offer suggestions like 
that's a little too busy or it needs like a hi-hat or something at this one yeah. part or you know can or you, like, i can't follow this what are you doing <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> i can't even figure out where the one is okay <laughs> or like um like with tori tornado um I was trying to program the uh, drum beat from Can's Vitamin C, um, which didn't really work, but then I played the Can Can over it, so it's Can Can do the Can Can. <laughs> can 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 Can. can. Yeah. <laughs> and for a while, that song was called New Order Goes to Spain. Yes. Uh, that, that, why did you change it from that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it was a, a pun that Bill came up with. Yeah. Like a tornado, like a bullfighting tornado. You know, a Toria tornado, of right. course. <laughs> I still have the Spain thing. But. Yeah, I like the wordplay in the songs, like uh, Funfetti, you know, those one, the and Toria tornado, Philip Glass Menagerie. So is, is, that, is that all Bill's doing? Or do no, it's, like, it's, it's pretty collaborative. Yeah. We all just like throw ideas at each other and if we like it enough to remember it later we use it the, also if we find it funny yeah the <laughs> philip glass menagerie i think because um the menagerie came from the fact that the lyrics are all about animals yeah. it was actually it was a scientific american um like infographics that i found like collating all of the mythic themes from world mythology and we're like let's just cut this up and pretend like it's a story that we're telling and then when we were doing that the last part um i think Sherry's keyboard part was super minimalist and we're like it sounds like Philip Glass and they're yeah. like it's Philip Glass about animals it's a it's a Philip Glass menagerie <laughs> yes of course we're like that's so dumb but then it's also kind of clever so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I'm a sucker we're the B-sharps we're the B-sharps oh man um so you you are an English professor so has that um I I, I don't know if you're like the lyric writer I know you guys you said you used found text but um I, I guess what i'm getting at can you talk to me about like your love of words and how that matches with music you do um, love words I yeah do, yes. <laughs> you love a good word yes I, I use them frequently sometimes i use them properly um so i th again with the early songs like funfetti for example um that song existed before i joined the band mm -hmm. although i think it's evolved over time and that it was has. I, bill was reading a book that he liked and just pulled random phrases from it mm -hmm. and then by the time i came along i think that approach had been established already so that sort of became the thing that we do we use found texts rather than writing our mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. um but I, it's mostly collaborative a lot what i've done a lot recently is i'll find things like um either online or I'll come across something and I'll be like, I feel like there could be a song in this and I'll take it mm -hmm. and sort of chop it up and shape it and then I'll give it to Bill. And after he does it a few times, it's, he starts to decide which lines he likes saying and which ones don't really fit and he'll shape yeah. it some more. And then once it, and then we see how well it goes with the music. So there's this whole Yeah, kind we of kind process. of all do that. Like One of the, one of the yeah. ones that we haven't recorded yet, the, the new song that we're working on came from a a crazy spam email that Sherry got. I think got it's a schizophrenic person. Yeah, and uh, she forwarded it to me, and it was like thirty <laughs> pages long. And I edited it down to like a page and a half, and I gave it to Bill, and he edited it down further. So, what what was that? What was weird about it? Um, it's, it's super weird. Um, <laughs> it's this long, complicated story about a woman who apparently was um, 
abducted by a terrorist and forced to live an imaginary life in which her father is Tom Cruise and they have all these adventures together like for a while they they're the rulers of France and then they it's live in amazing. some sort of like poverty stricken <laughs> frontier town where like Tom Cruise sacrifices everything His he eyes. has to buy her a pencil case yes he sat she she she, she loses her her eyesight in a swimming pool accident whatever oh that goodness. means and tom cruise sacrifices his eyes to donate them to her uh, but and these like these weird gems are hidden in this like 30 page rambling like weirdness yeah, i keep so getting we them kind too. Of went through it and we're like oh let's take that line and that line and that line and try to make a weird story out of it yeah if you're gonna use like found text i think you hit the gold mine with that yeah, that's, yeah. That's wild <laughs> another one that's wild. been really useful was this uh website where somebody uploaded uh the whole text of john cage's indeterminacy which was a thing mm-hmm. that he did in the 60s which i had already been familiar with yeah um and it's all indexed so like here's all the stuff with john cage talking about mushrooms mm-hmm. so we like pulled all of those lines and smush them together oh is that the moral yeah exactly that's what that's from and Toria Dornado also came from that same source I think yeah that's wild but it's like sort of sliced and diced and chopped up and at some point we forget what actually came from the original and what we added well then that's one of the moment when it's your own right (laughs) right exactly I think that's fair use at that point Uh right (laughs) we're not gonna get sued (laughs) John John Cage do not sue us (laughs) from beyond the grave although easily he wouldn't he's like chill like macrobiotic zen guy he's be like yes this is the best possible what about his heirs what about his heirs (laughs) think about the heirs you gotta worry about them (laughs) nah you guys will probably be all right (laughs) i doubt they'll listen to this yeah can you encode this somehow so that the john cage estate can't hear it (laughs) they're specifically (laughs) i'll see what i can do i'm not that it's our conceptual art project And uh, so, Sherry, I wanted to ask you about the cover art. Um, yeah. So you, do, I mean, and you made this table we're sitting at, which is yeah. beautiful. So visual art is a big part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been a painter, designer sort of thing. Um, like ours, like I'm, because I did. Um, also this t-shirt the, that I'm wearing was made by Oh, Sherry. is that hers? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's me. Uh, oh, that's from Diefenbacher? <laughs> yep. Performer band. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just had the, I guess, uh, conceptual thought about earliest tactile adventures. So I got um, a bunch of like old film strips. Like, you remember film strips? Yeah. Do you remember having to sit through Apparently, film strips? It's been a long time, sadly. <laughs> and construction paper and stuff like that and kind of jumbled it into a thing. Um, I mean, eventually I, I'm doing For like the a small. The youngsters, film strips are a lot like uh, GIFs that don't move. <laughs> That's a perfect way to put it. Did you just say GIF? It's GIF. I know. Oh no! <laughs> All right. And so that's that's right it now. for this episode of Corridor <laughs> Cast, folks. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we're gonna sit here and we're gonna go until we settle this debate. <laughs> it's not peanut butter. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and eventually I'm doing like a, a video of it, um, and I'm doing because uh, I did the a found video video for um capitalism mm-hmm. um and i'm currently doing another video which i bought some film reels from this estate and got them digitized and so I, and then i'm she didn't know what they would be i didn't like, know what they'd a be. lot of old film i got a whole bunch of like little film reels like home movies and so I, i'm compiling them into a, a video for uh tori 
What's Possibly. the most interesting thing you've found in there so far? It's all really in- like it's like vacation uh, video. Like oh. I think they went to Japan uh-huh. and one of them. There's like one where uh, they, they went, went to, to the zoo, like, which I think might be the DC the, zoo. Yeah, the DC actually, zoo. I but think. it's like from the '60s. Yeah, because there's like the cherry blossoms. They like went to the cherry blossoms in DC in the '60s. Uh-huh. That's wild. I know. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Yeah, so I've kind of going with that earliest tactile adventures kind of thing. And the video that. Um, you made for the achievements of capitalism, which is something that everyone should go watch. <laughs> but it was all it was all like public domain uh, footage from old cartoons and things. Yeah. And I don't, you didn't really have a narrative in mind, did you? You were just like, no. I like this image, and so uh, yeah, splice, and then it, splice it together. Which where can people see that? Oh, it's on YouTube. Okay. Um, I think we have a link to it on our uh, Facebook. I think so, yeah. If not, we should. I'm really bad But at if you just search books. for Invincible Summer, <laughs> The Achievements of Capitalism, it It'll should. Pull. It's It'll probably pull. the only thing listed under that title. I, uh, and then I, the next featured video that comes up is probably some really, like, conspiracy theorist or anti thing that you should skip. But. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> possible. Yeah. That's uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. And I just like experimenting with things, so... Um, and did you say there were, you, you said there were more videos forthcoming? What's the next one? Oh, yeah. One? Uh, the next one is Torador, uh, NATO, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a lot of vacation videos. And I'm kind of like doing like some animation over top of it. Like, oh. uh, like, cause I'm, I'm doing like frame by frame, like drawings over it. So like really rudimentary. I'm not doing Aha's take on me, yeah. but, um, <laughs> Did you just say Aha? Yes, I did say Aha. Can I say Jif if you can say Aha? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I thought she did that just to get you back for the, the Jif gift thing. <laughs> Aha doesn't seem like a good band name, so I renamed them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Not the Ha, just Aha. Singular Ha. <laughs> um, so I'm curious about the, the actual like process of animating on those. Do you, so are you like physically drawing on the Oh the no, I use like my, my tablet to draw over them. I like exported it and, and did like the uh, frame by frame. So I'm just mm-hmm. kind of drawing over them and then procedurally putting them back together again. It's yeah. actually really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're sitting there scribbling with a stylus on the tablet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm 20 seconds in. Uh-huh. I should be done in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> is that one that you want to establish a plot to, or are you just going to come? No, it's it, it's going to be uh, more of a. There's an implied plot in the found footage, but well, I mean, yeah. if you want to if you want to read a story, kind of like with the lyrics themselves. Yeah, we we it, we always have an implied plot. It's kind of like this kind of like backwards causality kind of thing, where 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 we kind of find a thing and then do a thing and then realize afterwards what the actual intention was. Well, yeah, that's what that meant. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, we had like achievements of capitalism, where I'm like playing like a really Russian sounding um, keyboard part that did I that I I did didn't that come from the sad ice cream truck theme. Originally? It may have come from. Do you know the sad ice cream truck? I don't think so. What what is that? Let's go. Oh, there's this oh. there's this ice cream truck. Oh, I that, have a recording of yeah, it on my phone. Yeah, it's, let's it's get got that. this weird like minor Eastern European kind of fiddler on the roof vibe, and it's selling ice cream. <laughs> we call it the I don't sad. Think I've ever heard of sad it's ice cream like, truck. It's just like very mournful. It's like. Eat ice cream now, for life is short and pleasure is fleeting. <laughs> <laughs> but I th- the keyboard part that she was playing on that was it's sort of a it, it's kind of a riff on it. On that. Okay, here we go. 
And that's an ice cream truck. That is like mournful. That's some yeah, sad ice I know. cream. Exactly. Why, why would you? Why would you buy ice cream from that truck? Why would you even approach that ice cream truck? I don't know. It's, uh, to to ease the existential pain of life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so that. Um, and then you started using your. I don't know what is it, like a vibrato knob or whatever, uh, and it started sounding it's like Leslie. this. Yeah, this I was going for a magazine kind of sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, it somehow turned into a statement about capitalism crushing the workers or something. It just it evolved naturally somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of the thing where you know it's it's you can a draw whatever is haunting your up. You can draw whatever conclusions out of it that you want to. It's not um, anything where we were trying to make a conclusion or force anyone into anything. Right. It's you know, it's or make a statement about anything really. It's and then we t- the lyrics uh, came from a Donald Barthelme's story, which is actually not about capitalism at mm-hmm. all. But again, it was all like sliced and diced and chopped up, and we're just like. Called the achievements of capitalism because why not? Because mm-hmm. that, that line is in there at some point. So. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you'll figure out. Uh, like you were talking about, I guess you'll figure out the the purpose behind it in, in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Backward engineer. Yep. That was another one of the newer songs, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's newer. We're getting weirder as, as our mm-hmm. matures. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know you guys have been in a couple different bands. Can we talk about like the evolution of that? Because have you've always played keyboard, or have you? Yeah, I've always played keyboard mostly because I can't play guitar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no one's no one's forcing you to. I know. I mean, I there's pl- so many guitar players. I know. Right? Uh, I play omnichord. Mm-hmm. It's my other instrument. Yeah. And how about you? Um, well, I'm actually trained as a piano player. But since oh. Sherry plays keyboards, I didn't think that would be useful. Yeah, um, don't want to do dueling keyboards. One, one of the reasons that I like mm-hmm. playing guitar is that I don't really know what I'm doing, which allows me to be more creative. We, we, our band that we were in together, The Waverly mm-hmm. Giant, I was the bass player, and Sherry was the vocalist and keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, I, I really liked playing bass, but again, Bill is much more adept at it than I am and he had he was already doing it so I'm like I'll just find something to do that no one else is already doing I guess well you don't have a guitar player I don't know how to play guitar really so let's see what happens (laughs) um you know and so I I like the fact that I'm able to treat the instrument as sort of just a thing that makes noise (laughs) that can be an interesting approach yeah especially with the style of music you're doing you're talking about textures like yeah yeah it is it's primarily for texture and Mm -hmm. color it doesn't because sherry's got the riffs and the melodies and and bill's Mm -hmm. already doing most of the the sort of like the bass stuff so yeah it it would be does bass chords right exactly (laughs) for me to play chords or riffs would be sort of irrelevant right so but um, so have you been playing like keyboard and piano since you were a kid, or when did you start getting into music? Uh, no, I I only started doing keyboard. I'm actually a opera performance. Uh, yeah, right. I did like opera for like eight years. Oh. Um, and so as part of that, uh, in order to get the you can higher hear her singing levels, singing on track four of our album. Yeah. yeah, if if you the further you get on um in uh, vocal performance, the more you're forced to learn piano. <laughs> in order to get the certifications, you also have to have a certain grade level of 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 piano, which doesn't make any sense to me. But I I, I had to. <laughs> I, yeah, I had a similar related. but opposite experience during my brief time in the conservatory as a piano major. They made me take ear training and voice lessons. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't. 
Yes. <laughs> but I think actually this speaks to our kind of interest in doing things that we're not good at. Because yeah. <laughs> at one, I think for a while we, I was ke- I kept trying to get Sherry to sing because she used to sing in the Waverly Giant and it was awesome. But and, and at some point I think you're you're basically like you know what, singing is kind of boring now because it's yeah. so easy and it becomes mm-hmm. so natural. Yeah. And keyboard is more interesting because you don't feel although you're yeah. you know, really good at it you don't yeah. feel like it's as natural. So there's a little oh. bit more experimentation, yeah. a little more. Plus risk. I, I just like keyboards because they're immediate. You, press, yeah. a, oh, you yeah. press a button and something happens. And you can uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can do all sorts of interesting things yeah. with them. So, do you normal. feel like you need a certain level of novelty or even maybe discomfort to to oh. get the best out of yourself? Right? I think so. Yeah, I think if well, if I get too comfortable with an instrument, I just move on to another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you plan on singing more on more tracks? Oh yeah, or? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, have to figure out. We got that new thing that we mm-hmm. might. Yeah. We're always coming. It's another one of those things. Like, if the song needs something, we'll put it on there. Um, everything. It's always trying to like serve the needs of that the particular song. Yeah, we don't try to. Yeah. And again, trying to you know work within our intentionally restricted palette of sounds. Mm-hmm. It's like that that old saying about how like you know creativity requires constraints and if you can do whatever you want it's just like oh i don't even know what to do now like i don't want to be able to do whatever i want i want a sort of set of parameters to work within and finding creative ways to do new things within the pre-established rules is Mm -hmm. more of a challenge and therefore more fun yeah absolutely and uh, so where did you guys record earliest tactile adventures? Was that like a home recording? Or? Uh, no, that was with... Uh, Audio uh, Esoterica. It's Mike yeah, Walls Mike Wolf. over uh, in Essex. He's with... Um, he plays Queen with Wolf. Green Wolf and he oh, plays yeah, with yeah, Infinite yeah. Pizza and I think at Friends least Friends of the show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, how dude. long ago did, did you record that? Have you been sitting on it a while? I think or? it was March. Yeah, I right? think it was about March. And we so. did it. We did it. We did all almost all of it in one day, and then we came back the next day and did one more song. It was essentially just done live. Oh wow! Right? Yeah, there were a couple overdubs, Minimal but we overdubs. Yeah, but there's like, there's a couple like little. If you're me, you and can I'm, hear and the I'm, mistakes. You can hear the mistakes. I'm like, <laughs> oh no! But then I'm like, ah, because the thing it's is, true. we that sound makes it more punk rock. Yeah, but but we sound better. Um, like we have a lot of more energy. Like we're we're not the kind of band that probably could just like, you know, go one instrument at a time mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because we kind of need each other to feed off of and and have that, you know. Which is why I think we wanted to work with Mike after Bill recommended him because we had heard that he was good at recording bands live, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what we wanted. It was just yeah. like three people playing together in a room. You know, we basically wanted like. You're recording our practice, but at a slightly mm-hmm. higher fidelity. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, so tell me a little bit about uh, how that went. So it was a fast process. And um, it, it, did the mistakes bother you? or, or do you uh, think At first, all... but now I'm fine well, with Well, we, we had to make some it. choices. There were a couple that we fixed, but yeah. a lot of them were like... The performance was really good. I think if we played it again on balance, it's not going to sound as good. So we'll just leave yeah. the mistakes in. Um, yeah, well, as very velvet listener, underground. Like, yeah, yeah very velvet. As <laughs> not that listener, like nothing sounds wrong. So yeah, it's like, <laughs> you got to own the mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's something like a Miles Davis, somebody maybe quote about how uh, it doesn't matter if you play the wrong note. What matters is the note that you play after that. Yeah. <laughs> That's when people yeah. know whether it was a mistake or not. Uh huh. <laughs> so That's you just true. go with it. Yeah. yeah. That's very true. And uh, so, do you plan to tour on it, or is that not really in the cards? Or? Uh, we no, might move we're such a grand tour of Hamden, maybe. <laughs> 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 
we would play in Baltimore. Right. Yeah. Um, have you uh, played out much or played these songs out much? We most of them. Yeah. Again, like Funfetti has been in the set forever. Women Who Died in Space is in some version, although that song's been through like fifty different versions. That's what yeah. we've played a lot. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the others not so much. I think we played Capitalism once. We played Colony Collapse for like over L- a year, yeah. so mm-hmm. like a lot, but mm-hmm. and that one also went through several different iterations. Many different iterations. Yeah. But I think um yeah, some of some of them we played only once or twice. I think there's a couple we haven't played at all, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it's one of those things where we're, we need the, to get better about. The Toledo Strip, the one that Cherry sings on, we played a long time ago, and then for some reason we dropped it from the set. Yeah, probably because it required bringing an extra instrument. One extra instrument. There was always there were always okay. like technical difficulties getting the omnicord to sound good, so we're just like, well, whatever. And then we were getting we were kind of like coming up with stuff to do for the album, or like. That song was cool. We should revisit that. I think mm-hmm. we played it once. And yeah. Like, yeah. We all sort of remember this. And then we went and recorded that. So that was yeah. good to bring back. Yeah. That was a good idea, I think. It's funny how much gear can drive like the, your creative choices. Because sometimes oh, like, no. I'm like, like, not I having feel a drummer like is a great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a pedal board, we exactly. Yeah. We don't have to rent a van. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's we, always the th- it takes so much time to like set up a drum oh, kit yeah. and then tear it down afterwards and... We're just like, can I just set this box on the stage and plug it in, and we're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> we so were what, we oh, were able God. to fit all of our gear uh, and uh, all car. of our all of us into, or uh, uh, Bill's old Chevy Volt, which oh. is like this tiny car. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like an electric guitar. I love our drummer in my band, but I'm kind of jealous of that just being able to go. <laughs> but um, so what do you use for the beats? Is it like a, a, a machine or do you have a laptop? Oh, uh, yeah, situation? I just use my laptop in Ableton and, you know, I, I collate and collect samples and, you know, kind of some of them I do myself where the samples and like on uh, Funfetti where I found the, um, uh, if you listen really carefully, there's like this little hand clap sound that I layered over Don Bark. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's funny. If, if, if you listen a little uh, carefully, it's uh, it's the TDF mix. It, it's the TDF mix, which um, <laughs> we should probably explain that reference. Yeah, we should probably explain that reference. We were, uh, we were watching a, a thing on YouTube uh, about uh, Top of the Pops, I think. Yeah. And it was the band Dead or Alive was talking about yeah. the success of their one hit. Um, and the, they had released the song earlier and nobody cared. And then they did a remix, uh, which became very successful. And apparently the secret to the remix was that the engineer had found a sample of, can I swear on the show? Oh, yeah. Two Dogs Fucking. Oh. And had mixed it into the background. So they called it the TDF mix. So we're like, that's hilarious. So Sherry's like, I want to put Dogs Breaking on our song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's a very subtle dog bark but yeah. it's, a, yeah, it's it's most, a dog it's bark. a hand clap but there's like also a dog bark element <laughs> there, there's a, a there's a, it's just a very subtle sound. dog bark on there because he says it used to be our dog <laughs> yeah it, it could have been our dog but it was yeah. not our dog and so that i put the tdf mix yeah. on it little subliminal dog exactly. little subliminal dog exactly. that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and then the new song that we that we are still working on um came from a sample of the sound of forced rhubarb which had been which was going around on like boing boing at some point apparently like if you grow rhubarb in the dark um you 
supercharge it with hormones or something and it grows so fast that you can actually hear it and it makes this like crackly sound yeah and somebody had posted a a sound sample of this yeah so sherry took that and looped it and made a beat that sort of sounded like that yeah and then i also kind of overlaid it on and and, like did a bunch of reverb on on the forest rhubarb (laughs) rhubarb reverb yes Um. say that three times fast (laughs) rhubarb reverb yeah but um and it sounds really cool. It we sounds really the song, cool. Ha- the song hasn't quite come together yet, but it will because it's a good idea. Stay tuned to that for that one because <laughs> yeah. I need to know what this, what this uh, rhubarb sounds like. Stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned for that one and our new Tom Cruise song, yeah. <laughs> yeah. coming <laughs> coming at some point, <laughs> which are two different songs. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see how you'd mix those up, but I mean, you guys are creative. <laughs> you can probably find a way. <laughs> What, uh, um, so those are some pretty interesting samples. Do you like? How do you decide what's going to work and what, what you want to use? Just... Um, a lot of it is humor. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah. It, yeah, like for um, uh, woman who died in space, which is a weird name because I was like I was at a bus stop and like this old man like kept like talking about Sally Ride. For some reason, um, I, I I don't know why. Right. Um, and then there, there was lyrics about that. Then I, the l- lyrics were dropped, and then we went to a friend. Was it Heather Rounds? Yes, Heather, Heather, Heather Rounds, Rounds did a book release. Did a book release about Mike the Headless Chicken. So I found like some computer voice talking about Mike the Headless Chicken video on YouTube. And then spliced yeah, we, we it were the and... band that that played at the book release show, oh, and okay. so we had this whole concept-heavy stage show where Sherry was finding a bunch of samples that related to Miracle Mike the, Mike the Headless Chicken. It was very Calvary Voltaire. <laughs> it was very <laughs> um, and the six people who were in the audience. I'm sure it they was. Loved it. <laughs> there were at least thirty. It was oh, yeah, fun. That's true. Oh, that's a good. Crowd. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, um, and so that yeah, that is a bit of what. Yeah. Was left over from that show because that song needed something. And it was yeah. another one of those songs that had been around for a long time. Um, and it was heavily based on Mike's drum beat. And when I came along and started to play on it, I actually didn't couldn't figure out anything to play. So I'd just do this stupid arpeggio that went up and down. And then for a while Sherry was singing on it. Mm-hmm. And it just it turned into this like super like over the top gothic like it was definitely like, goth rock like Susie sue kind of thing which was fun but didn't fit with anything and so we stopped playing it mm-hmm. and then we decided to go back to it um which basically i think it was bill reused the baseline that he'd had um, yeah and with the same drum beat although i think it was a little faster Different, little faster we basically kind of like broke the song down for spare parts and put it back together again and then repurpose it yeah i did a different keyboard part and yeah and then added like my little weird splice work mm-hmm. um and we, bo- we had tried uh, doing it as track. an instrumental but bill is very uncomfortable with instrumentals because he thinks it's people will get bored if there's no words oh, really? so sherry decided to bring back that sample from oh, okay. that yeah show which I disagree with, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends how the instrumental's written. Like, mm-hmm. what comes down to that? Well, this song's like a yeah. minute and a half, so really. Oh, so yeah. if they're the, bored, they'll get over. The idea was it was like the palette cleanser on on Wire's Pink Flag, right? Where you get like twenty songs, and then there's one instrumental, and then, then all of a sudden like it's field day songs. for the Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> or Surgeon's Girl. Right. <laughs> Um, one thing I wanted to ask about um, is you're listed as Professor Flake. Can you explain <laughs> that name? 
<laughs> Just for funsies. Um, <laughs> one of my uh, freshman composition students at CCBC had a really hard time pronouncing my name. Um, at one point, she called out Professor Flake, and I started. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, and I thought it would be a really good uh, sort of stage name, <laughs> and it sort of stuck. Yeah, like, <laughs> does the uh, student know that she gave you the stage name? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay. I, I don't tend to disclose a lot of personal information in my class. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good policy. Um, so, like, d- does your class know that you make music or not really? You don't not really, no. No. Yeah. I think I might have mentioned it at one time, but not consistently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Luckily, you get new kids every semester. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. <laughs> it depends. Every, so every class is different, and it's interesting the way that you establish relationships with students. Um, and I always kind of start by being this sort of stern representative of academic culture, especially for the, the freshmen um, the, at the community college. Not so much with the Arbor Division at UB, but with the freshmen. It's like they're used to high school right and so if you come in and you're all like loosey-goosey and like let's be friends they the whole environment sort of falls apart very quickly but sometimes by the end of the semester you've established rapport and relationships and then I can be a little more open but it doesn't always happen Um, so what's uh, what's next for you guys? This is fresh out. Do you plan on playing that all out live in Baltimore, or is that? Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Bill's usually the person who finds us shows, so right. he, he's he's that person. So, and the the thing is, I mean, we've played repeatedly at like the Crown, right? We played repeatedly at Sidebar. We played the Bueno Space twice, and I love those places, but it's kind of like I feel like we're overstaying our welcome by playing the same venues over and over again so it'd be sure. good to find some new places to go mm-hmm. yeah. not that you know but it's small to more though yeah exactly yeah. there's that yeah, too so <laughs> and, then, and then it's like you end up on the same bill with the same people and you're like oh so this can we get into the exact same show that you came to six months ago it'll be totally different i swear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we do like to play out and it's fun and so hopefully yeah. we will do you guys have a favorite oh i'm sorry no oh, sorry. I was just reiterating that Bill's usually the, the person. Because mm-hmm. he, he is not a homebody, and he does go to almost every show ever. Yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> and plus, he, he until very recently, he ran uh, Protagonist Records. Yeah. So oh. he knows a lot of people. He's a scenester. Yeah, that's helpful. Gotta have at least one in the band. Yeah. Whereas we're just people who like sit home all the time and never go anywhere, and <laughs> nobody invites us because we just, just don't go. Just hang out with our cats. That's really <laughs> what we do. Let's be honest. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, well, I'll kind of wind things down. Um, mm-hmm. I always ask people what advice they would have for, for younger people making music or people that are newer at it. So, um, Sherry, do you want to give us some um, some keyboard tips? I'll just tips? make music that does that you like that doesn't exist already. That's, that's um, <laughs> make things that you like listening to and someone else will like listening to it too. I mean, that's the only advice okay. I would give anyone, you know? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter if no one wants to listen to your music. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it because you enjoy it. That's true for anything that you want to make. I mean, yeah, even art. Kind of art, poetry. Um, do it because it's meaningful to you and you enjoy it, rather than because you're trying to impress anyone or find an audience for it. Yeah, and once you get into that point, it's you know, like you kind of have to, and it's, you know, <laughs> don't try to make a living at it. No. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you truly enjoy it, it doesn't matter anyway. Right. Yeah. Keep your day job. Yeah, keep your day job. 
right. Invincible Summer, thank you guys so much. Everybody should check out the new album. I appreciate this. Thank and, you, Kelsey. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Thanks for having us.